all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Pastor Toby, the water boy, and campus preacher Keith Darrell in the house. Camp- Chocolate Knox is still. Campus Knox. Campus Knox. We're going to start messing up names <laughs> big time. We got a great interview coming up with uh, Doug. Uh, uh, let me get this right. Maine Warring. Maine Warring, Maybe. right? Uh, Maine there we go. Warring. There we go. Maine Warring. <laughs> You know, I got this. I got this joke. You got to help me complete here. What do you get when when Trump and the IRS and the FBI walk into a bar? I don't know yet, but that's that's a good joke making in the making. Okay, all right. <laughs> While you're thinking about that, Boniface Woodworking exists for those who enjoy shopping with integrity, who want to buy mer- uh, handmade wooden furniture, gifts, and heirloom items that will last for generations. From dining tables and church pulpits to cigar humidors and everything in between, quality pieces that you can give your children's children. Tie them to their roots, transcend the basic function of whatever they are. Incidentally, in order to have children's children, you have to have a man and a woman marriage get married. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so mm-hmm. starting start voting with your dollars and stop buying cheap crap from people who hate you. Visit BonifaceWoodworking.com to see our gallery, learn the story, and submit your order for heirloom quality wood items. We are grateful to have with us on the line right now, Mr. Doug Mainwaring. Is that right? Did I say that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah, he's uh, being too nice. He's uh, being too uh, nice. I said it better. I, I, I said it better. like what Gabe just said. <laughs> he's a journalist for LifeSite News, an author, and a marriage, family, and children's rights activist. He's testified before the United States Congress, state legislative bodies, originated and co-authored amicus briefs for the United States Supreme Court, and has been a guest on numerous TV and radio programs, including cross politic Doug and his family live in the Washington DC suburbs. Mm. And so we're very grateful to have you on the show tonight. Thank you, Doug, for joining us. That's great to be here with you guys. So, um, uh, we found this old, actually an old article of yours at LifeSite News. So you're old, you're old. We, we've yeah. been we've been working on some of this. I mean, you know, with with Dave Rubin, um, you know, buying eggs and renting wombs and uh, claiming to be married yeah. to his partner, and and seemingly, you know, everybody congratulating him and and jumping on board as if this is somehow conservative. Uh, in the, in the in the process of talking about some of these things, we came across your article, and and you really start like. I don't know. You, you show us where the dead bodies are. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> like you start naming names of, you know, just how entrenched so much of this homosexuality is in supposedly yeah. conservative uh, politicians. You're naming people like J.D. Vance and 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 Dan Crenshaw and other, yeah. other people that you think, wait, wait, what? So how bad is it, Doug? I mean, how how in bed is the GOP with the homosexual movement? I think that pr- pretty much our our our. Elite thinkers, our elite politicians have pretty much capitulated across the board. Um, I don't know how much you've followed this uh, uh, lately, but but uh, pretty much there seems to be an agreement that we're not going to talk about same sex marriage anymore. It's not a problem. Wow. And gays raising kids and, and, and obtaining them through surrogacy isn't a problem. But we're all going to join hands and 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 focus on transgenderism. Mm, yeah. And here's the thing. A decade ago, you know, everybody's saying now, well, transgenderism is absurd. You know, how could anybody be against that? But 10 years ago, same sex marriage was absurd. Right. Mm-hmm. And and somehow that no longer elicits any kind of response from from academic conservative academic elites or 
political leaders. It just gets a shrug of the shoulders, if that. And what we witnessed with with uh, Dave Rubin's announcement about having kids uh, is everybody raced to congratulate him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nobody's crit- right. very few people That's have right. criticized him. I, I wrote a piece a, couple, a week or so ago saying, if you really love your children the way you say you do, you need to dissolve your relationship with your male partner and marry the mother of your child because <laughs> that's in your child's best interest. Yeah. Uh, what's at stake? I mean, why are Republicans kind of capitulating? I mean, I don't think if I don't think they're um, the homosexual base is getting them in office. You know, there's not enough votes there to really sway an election for conservatives, at least. Um, maybe there is for leftists. But what's what's at stake here? Why are they giving in? Well, well, I think that um, it was just an issue that they all wanted to get over. Uh, you know, if you go back and, and read when the, what went on during the Obergefell um, case, uh, if if you look between the lines, you can see that all the the, the pundits and 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 uh, our representatives on Capitol Hill. They were all relieved that same-sex marriage was no longer an issue. They they didn't want to have to deal with it. They didn't want it to be uh, an issue uh, that put a target on their backs during election. Courage, you know that. And then, second of all, um, here in D.C., we have a huge gay population. It's mm-hmm. like I've heard twelve percent of the population, and a lot of the folks work on Capitol Hill. Fox News is inundated with them. Mm. Um, you know, the Supreme Court justices have gay and lesbian um, uh, folks working in their on their staff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, some, you know, have been around them. Uh, you know, nobody if, if, if you're the type of person that doesn't want to face personal confrontation with your staff members mm-hmm. or your family members, you know, it's just easier to capitulate. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, uh, Senator Portman from Ohio uh, before Obergefell. Uh, he completely changed his mind mm-hmm. on protecting marriage when his son, son came out as gay. That's right. That's mm-hmm. all it took. That's all, right. all it took. And here's the thing, you, you know, I and I, Senator Portman was going in one direction and I was going in the opposite direction at the same time. I went from being an active homosexual uh-huh. uh, to to um, becoming a chaste man and to, um, you know, restoring my marriage with my wife and, wow. and uh, becoming, as you've mentioned before, a marriage and family right, uh, family uh, uh, and children's rights activist. Wow. Um, because I could see the damage that this was doing. And with, with the same-sex marriage, uh, you know, before Obergefell, I could tell, and a number of us could tell, that um, this would be something that would be wielded against religious liberty and would be, be used to trump the, the best interests and rights of children. Mm-hmm. And it's happened. I mean, and, and then it also, we saw that it was going to unleash the the um you know the the, the horrible pandemic of transgenderism on on uh, mm-hmm. society yeah would you and mind, it all happened yeah would you mind sharing a little bit more about uh your movement from being engaged in homosexuality over to uh, i believe you mentioned that you're a roman catholic but you're kind of that yeah. that movement that, that you've had because you said you're involved with the log cabin republicans as well as gop yeah. or geo proud um would you mind sharing that right. story a little bit 
Yeah, sure. Um, you know, back in 98, my wife and I divorced. Our kids, our sons were two and four years old. Mm. I went off to live as, as a gay man. And, um, you know, at first, the, it was a feeling of, of freedom and, and, you know, liberty. And, and uh, you know, for a few weeks, I was happy. But uh, what I noticed was, is that the, the whole gay world, uh, um, there isn't a whole lot of, of happiness, not permanent happiness there. And uh, men's lives uh, who were married like me, who uh, left their wives almost across the board. You know, I, I can say this with, with no trouble. Um, their lives were diminished, uh, not only, you know, economically because of divorce, but but socially, you know, the, the you suddenly become a sexual object rather than a full person. Hmm. And, um, and, and so, you know, the, the, there's not a whole lot of, of, of really fulfilling life there. But anyway, I, uh, I wrote a, uh, my first uh, opinion piece for the Washington post on same sex marriage saying that uh, it needs to be, you know, to be recognized, but uh, it shouldn't be uh, something that's instituted because of judicial action or because of uh, legislatures. It needs to be done by ballot uh, initiatives. You know, the people need to decide. Otherwise, it's not going to be truly accepted. And um, and when I thought more about that after having written it, I, I realized I couldn't. I couldn't support what I had just asserted publicly. And, and what year and was this? If you don't mind me asking, what year was this? This yeah. was two thousand, two thousand nine or ten. I, okay. I think it was nine. And end of two thousand nine. And at the time, I was dating the the male cousin of the the uh, House Majority Leader in, in Congress. And um, you know, I realized. I'm on the wrong side of history. I'm on the wrong side of science. I'm on the wrong side of nature and I'm on the wrong side of God ultimately. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I disentangled myself from the relationship I was in and um, I started writing, I co-founded national capital tea party Patriots. Uh -huh. And uh, because that the tea party grew up pretty much in the libertarian world, there's no problem with being gay there. Hmm. Um, but I, and so I started writing uh, commentaries about the Tea Party movement for the Washington Times, published almost every week for several months. And then when I wrote a piece critical of same-sex marriage, that's when I stopped getting published. Wow. So, you know, that Even in the Washington big, Times, right? They're, they're supposedly the conservative yeah, side of things. I, I had written, I had written, a great piece called the the myth of the same sex marriage mandate and normally i'd submit something and within hours or a half day i would hear back from them great we'll publish this tomorrow mm -hmm. it went for weeks without hearing something so i i finally wrote to the 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 editorial director and heard back from him and the NDP said Doug, this is really good, but we just can't use it. Wow. And I found out a couple of weeks later, they announced that they had hired the head of Log Cabin Republicans to be one of their bloggers. Mm -hmm. And um, and that kind of thing has happened to me time and, and time again. So um, 
it sounds like I, I'd like to hear actually a little bit just finish the rest of your redemption story. It sounds like you um, repented of your sins. You got uh, restored back to your wife through all this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's like, well, you know, we've been separated and divorced for uh, a decade at that wow. point. And, you know, I, I I knew I had to put my marriage back together, but you know, how do you repair the damage that you've done to to your spouse? Wow. And, and you know, and and I knew I really hurt my kids, uh, and and frankly, they were living with me at the time because they were, were teenagers, and and that made just made sense for us to do it that way. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, the, the I really felt a strong compulsion to to do something, and I didn't know what to do. So I prayed, and I remember stopping in at at a church every single day to kneel down in the back and just pray. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, uh, um, my wife Valerie called and said, "Doug, you know, um, I, I'm going to have." major back surgery and I'm going to be in the hospital for a long time and then rehab for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going to need help after that. Can, can I move in with you and the boys for just a little while? Could you help me out? <laughs> and I realized, boy, this is God answering my prayer wow. just far more quickly than I was prepared. Did <laughs> <laughs> you? And uh, anyway, I took a deep breath and I said, how about this? How about we pack up your apartment and you just move in with us? And that was it. She said, okay. And we've wow. been back together again. Ever since. <laughs> and and at, at first, you know, it just sort of all I hoped for was peaceful cohabitation while we could raise our sons together. Um, but, it, you know, it, it didn't take long for it to become much more than that. And, and we've been together now for almost a dozen years again, mm-hmm. and it's till death do us part. Oh, wow. Amazing. So that's it in a nutshell. Okay, so one one thing that recently um, we had Denise McAllister on our show um, recently. I don't know if you know who Denise it was, but sound, she sounds like she kind of has a similar story of you of getting canceled. Um, she was a journalist um, for Fox and Daily Wire and The Federalist, and in two in two thousand eighteen, she got in a uh, social media fight with or tiff with her former friend Megan McCain, and and Megan uh-huh. McCain is. Um, uh, she has a bunch of homosexual friends and Denise had, yeah, Denise had commented, um, about homosexuality and and basically Megan McCain, you know, said, Hey, I had you at my wedding, you know, why are you doing this? And then a bunch of her friends came after Denise McAllister and basically attacked her for being anti-homosexual. Well, long story short, Denise, um, goes after one of the, um, her homosexual friends on Twitter, pretty hard, pretty harsh. Um, and then, um, as a result of that, Ben Shapiro emailed her and said, um, you, uh, I'm gonna have to let you go because I need to protect my brand, the daily wire with the homosexual community. And then of course mm-hmm. you got, uh, Dave Rubin at the blaze. You got, um, I mean, Peter Till is like, yeah, you mentioned in your article, Peter Till's involved in a number of Republican, uh, uh campaigns, uh, like JD. Well- yeah, well, Spencer Clavin is yep. at the Daily yep. Wire, mm-hmm. and yep. his wedding was last week. Yep. He married the mm-hmm. guy who's the general counsel for the Daily yep. Wire. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we're, we're friends with Andrew Clavin, and, you know, so there's this homosexuality is got its hooks in all these media houses and the Republican Party. Yeah. 
and I, I I just can't think that there's more there that under under that hood that we can't see. Well, it, and is I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just no. just just want to maybe tag onto this. It, I guess my question for you, Doug, is I mean it, it seems like a bunch of conservatives can't see why homosexuality is a contradiction to conservatism. Yeah. And 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 I, and and in shorthand, like you say, you know, sort of, I think there's, there's sort of a libertarian um, thread that just sort of says, well, let's just leave everybody be, but, but why maybe, maybe part of the question is why um, is homosexuality such a contradiction to real conservatism? Well, I mean, first of all, I was a libertarian for a while until I realized it's just a bunch of lessons and uh, they 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 want people to leave them alone, but they they don't want to deal with any social issues. They don't want to deal with that kind of confrontation. Mm -hmm. So so there's that. But but here's the thing. Uh, And every time I write about this, I, I end up saying this in one way or another, that if if there's anything that desperately needs to be conserved today, it's marriage. It's the nuclear family. It's the best interests of children uh, and they're, you know, protecting their rights to, to a mother and a father. And that's that's the only way that a small government or government's going to work. Small government's mm-hmm. going to work. You can't have small government if you don't have the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. What, you know, look at what's happened uh, when you have divorce, when you have um, uh, uh, surrogacy and multiple parents for children, mm-hmm. the government has to step in to settle every dispute, to make mm. every decision. And it's it's a mess. Mm. And, and um, you know, it's as big a mess as it's going to be for uh, what Dave Rubin and his partner, yeah. David Janet, who are producing in that, you know, they have a surrogate, they have a, uh, an egg donor and a surrogate. So, you know, you have a gestation or a, 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 um, you know, a gestational mom mm-hmm. and uh, the mom who's mm-hmm. the, the the source of the child's DNA. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, the women that are going to help take care of the, the, the child and try to be mom, you know, for a few <laughs> hours a day. The night nurses, the, you know, and, and who knows else? It, it's so expensive. And it's and, and the, the 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 jobs that are entailed with. Uh, being a mother are split in eight or 10 different ways when a wife would do all those things brilliantly (laughs) and established the, and also while also establishing the, the, the maternal bond that these kids are going to be missing so desperately Hmm. as they grow up. So um, that's why that's, you know, you, you can't have conservatism if you're throwing that, you know, the definition of marriage out the window. Yeah. Doug, it seems to me that you, you, you just kind of bring, you brought up kind of the social and maybe civic reasons for why um, heterosexual marriage is important. And, um, but it seems to me the theological reasons are, are deeper and more foundational in this. And that's where the Republican Party doesn't want to acknowledge because if the Republican Party said that, you know, because God said, I mean, ultimately, we, you know, marriage between a man and a woman is right because God said. Now, of course, yeah. you know, socially, 
and and it has all kinds of other ramifications. ramifications. Yeah, but the Republican Party ultimately doesn't want to confess the name of Jesus in the Republican Party. They want to kind of get its bland, patriotic God, you know, bow down to this bland, patriotic God. But it's actually no. The God of the Bible said that this is how it should be, and that's what the conservatives don't want to recognize. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and frankly, I followed the lead of you know, folks who are more experienced talking about this sort of thing uh, when I started speaking out about a decade ago. Um, and, and so I went out of my way to never br- bring up God, to never bring up uh, Jesus Christ. And yet, let me tell you, the, the whole one of the big things that turned me around was reading the Song of Songs in the Old Testament hmm. and, 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 and realizing you know that marriage our marriages here are are just a, a precursor to the marriage of Christ and his church mm-hmm. and and that's what I want to be part of I don't <laughs> want to be part of of of, of an abstainer mm-hmm. from that so so uh yeah I found scriptures deeply moving and I could talk for a long time about that um but um anyway yeah I, and so you know now, finally, a few years ago, I said, you know, forget it. I'm going to speak out. And I started writing about how, um, you know, how, how important it is to realize that not only is there a, a social component to homosexuality that uh, needs to be addressed, I, you know, there's also a demonic component to it as well, mm-hmm. and and um, and that there's a rejection of the fullness of the life that that God offers all men and women, and so that's you know I start I started writing about that more and more frequently, yeah, um, and I don't care if it offends anybody. <laughs> Doug, you mentioned um, just before we got on um, that, uh, and, and it's been alluded to already. You're um, a practicing Catholic, and and you said that a lot of what your 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 focus and your work has been with the Catholic Church, and I think you said you know that's where it's sort of been the worst or or something like that uh, to to that effect. Uh, what did, what do you mean by that? I mean, uh, um, and this is not to not to dump on the Catholic Church. Uh, we have our own problems in the Protestant Church as well. But what um, what what are you seeing there, and why why do you think it's so bad there? Oh, well, I, I don't think I was referring to the, the Catholic Church, although I would agree with you okay. <laughs> on that statement. Uh, no, I was just saying that uh, Catholic conservative thought leaders uh, have really, you know, become like turtles and pulled their head back into their shell when it comes to dealing with homosexuality and, and uh, same-sex marriage. Yeah. And uh, if you don't mind, who, they're just who, silent. who some of those and individuals Everybody be- knows silence is... What's that? I'm sorry. Uh, who would some of those individuals be? Because in general, when I read uh, like conservative Catholic social thought, I'm always like, man, there, there, there's so much more substance here than I feel like oftentimes Protestants offer. So like without, you know, without selling the farm, I suppose. If you, well, like, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the silence at, at okay. this point more okay. than the overt support. Yeah. But, you know, you can look at the are you familiar with the national conservatism movement? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've written extensively about them as well. And I'll actually be at the next one in about four weeks down in, in Miami. Mm. But um, here's the thing. Uh, I, 
when I realized uh, about a week before the, the last year's conference in Orlando was to be held, when I realized that um, there were several Catholic thought leaders who were going to be present there, as well as uh, Dave Rubin, Peter Thiel, right. and Douglas Murray, all who are men who were either married to other males or in long-term relationships, um, I wrote to the folks and, and uh, you know, I said, are, are you aware of this? Number one, number two, are you, uh, are you, uh, you know, going to withdraw from participating? Because if you go there and don't say anything, it's going to look like you agree mm-hmm. with same sex marriage right. and that homosexuality is normal. And, and if you do go, will you confront them? And, uh, you know, I just sort of laid it on the line and four out of the, the six got back to me uh, and they all said, oh, yeah, 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 we're, we're aware of this and we're going to do something. Uh, they didn't, though. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no record of them saying anything. Mm-hmm. And the worst was in the panel where, where Dave Rubin uh, was featured. Uh, uh, so Rob Amari was also yep. on that panel. Yep, right. And and. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, well, it's um, there were two gays. Also, Douglas Murray was on that, and then Yoram Hosani, the the yeah. man who yeah. Jewish man behind the whole. Yeah, yeah, Orthodox. Yes, and um, and you know, a couple times somebody drew attention to the elephant in the room that there were two gay men seated there with the Orthodox Jew and the the very conservative Catholic, <laughs> and. Neither of the, the two were willing to to say anything. Mm. When 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 somebody brought it up, they just let it slide. Mm. And they, wow. they 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 yeah. And I mean, you can go back and, yeah. and watch sure the, the video. So, so it was just for the record. I got an Anthony Esselin book here, right here on the on the table. No apologies. Why civilization <laughs> depends on the strength of men. He's one of my favorite papists. <laughs> he's he's he's, uh, he's he's doing really good work. He's not That's afraid funny. to speak up. <laughs> um, so, Doug, last, last question here. You got about no, we got about great. Tony Esmond's great. Yeah, 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 you know Tony. Yeah, we get, we got about a minute left here with you. But um, uh, what should conservatives do? How should we clean in house? I mean, can the republic should the Republican Party be censoring? You know, um, conservatives who are for homosexual marriage get rid of the log cabin. Republicans. I mean, what should happen? You know, I, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like having a hundred tumors in your body. How do you remove them Mm. um, all at once? You know, I, I, listen, there's only a few of us that are speaking out in this way. There's, there's me, there's, there's a a wonderful woman named Katie Faust, who is the founder of them before us. You, you should have her on your show. She um, she is the greatest voice for children's rights. She was raised by uh, two moms, and and but she ended up writing a brief for the Supreme Court for a, in the Obergefell case uh, in support of traditional marriage. Um, and uh, and then there's also Jennifer Roback Morse, who doesn't mince words when it comes to this. Uh, these topics, but uh, there are very few others, and and because everybody thinks it's a done deal, hmm. President Trump said it's a done deal. Right. You know, almost every politician on Capitol Hill has said mm. it's you know just shirked it off and said, yeah, it's a done deal. No yeah, point. And, we've and, kind know, of all accepted kind of the progressive view of history that it just kind of marches on a certain ter- uh, direction. That this idea has become equality, and, and, and there's no turning it back. Yeah, it's so, just it's just just going to happen, and there's yeah. no way. To- and, and what? 
Go ahead. But what what may turn turn the tide is when the current crop of young children born through surrogacy, born through, you know, egg or sperm donation, uh, become adults. When they start speaking out about, I'm happy to be alive, hmm. but I really don't like the way I came into the world. Hmm. And being raised by two moms or two dads was a big drag. I wish I had a mom. I wish I had a dad. Wow. Good. wow. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Make sure you download the app. See you at our conference in October. And fight, laugh, and feast. That's it. Knocks it in here. So that's what you get. <laughs> this is where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter. Too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. The season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. All right, so just stay like this. How, how am I doing here? So, yeah, you don't like you don't like this, huh? What does a Christian education look like when non-Christians are the ones who control the institutions of learning? This is a question that confronted Bishop Augustine of Hippo in North Africa in the fifth century AD. Augustine lived at the twilight of the Roman Empire. He himself had been trained with the best learning that Rome at that time had to offer. He himself actually came through the ranks and taught rhetoric in some of the best schools. And it was then after he had come of age that he converted to Christianity, but he wanted to continue the project of education, but this time for Christians. And so he had to confront the question, what does a Christian education look like when the unbelievers control the field? when they control the institutions, when the whole ap apparatus and curriculum of learning emerge from a pagan environment. And so Augustine wondered, what is it that Christians should jettison? What is it that Christians can embrace? What is it that Christians can adopt, but in modified form? These are the questions that Augustine confronted when he sought to educate Christians in an environment when unbelievers dominated the field. A century later, we see a man in the south of Italy named Cassiodorus who faced a very different educational landscape. He had to ask what did a Christian education look like in an environment where unbelievers had abandoned the project of education altogether. The in infrastructure of learning had entirely eroded. If education was to proceed at all, it had to proceed on the foundation of Christianity. The Christians had to be the ones preserving education. What does a Christian education look like when Christians are the ones forming the institutions, when Christians are the ones organizing the curriculum? Well, these two seasons in the history of education, the season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus, just 100 years apart, were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. We're gonna be studying this story. We're going to be going back to the sources. We're going to go back to Augustine. We're gonna go back to Cassiodorus. We're gonna ask ourselves, which of their predicaments most resembles our own? Which can we learn from Augustine's period? 
What can we learn from Cassiodorus's period? As we confront these questions, we're gonna engage these sources, and we invite you to join us here at New St. Andrews College.